sometimes it's good to laugh, isn't it? So glad you're all here. But let me get this straight. So we have these oversized socks that we don't wear. We have strings of delicious popcorn that we don't eat. We have an elf randomly on the shelf. We have this guy that lives up in the North Pole. I guess he's on a glacier making toys with some minions. We throw in there a little holly and silver bells and tinsel. Oh, my. Then, to top it all off, we are supposed to hang this parasitic plant up, and then every time we're under the parasitic plant, we kiss. What are all these random things supposed to represent? Christmas. That is so crazy, weird, random, isn't it? It's all supposed to mean Christmas. But you know, I think about that, that first Christmas. The biographies of Jesus show up early in the New Testament part of the Bible. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And, and in Matthew's biography of Jesus, we get kind of a glimpse at that first, uh, well, they didn't call it Christmas, but that first event, you know, that first narrative. And when you look at it, there is a lot of crazy randomness to the story. If we're honest, you know. I mean, first of all, you have a divine pregnancy. So that's, that's a, little, a little crazy. Then, then you have this you know, road trip that has to happen with someone who's nine months pregnant. You have you know, a, a stable instead of a hospital room to, de, you know, to, to deliver a baby. You have animals. And then at some point, some gamey-smelling shepherds show up. It, it just seems crazy. And then on top of all that, the scriptures tell us that in the Christmas story, the God of the universe puts on flesh and is born as a small, defenseless child. It's as if, you know, the divine being, if you will, becomes a human being. I mean, that just, that's random. Say that again. Come on. That's random. Look at your neighbor and say, that's random. Look at him again and say, you're random. Oh, wait, no, no, that's not, we don't want to do that. But I don't know, maybe not so random, right? Maybe, maybe God had orchestrated all this ahead of time and even though it might seem a little crazy random, maybe God actually had a plan in all of that. A plan that would involve him personally and intimately sharing with humanity how much he loved us. This morning we're going to be looking at a random Christmas, hopefully from some different angles. But my hope is, when we're done with this talk, that we'll arrive at that place of peace that we all want, no matter where we're at in life. We would like a little peace this Christmas. So let's pause for a minute and pray uh, to God for a minute. Pray with me. Father, our God in heaven, you're so powerful and mighty. You're in charge and we are not, and that's a good thing. And here we are a few days from Christmas. Father, I pray that you'd kind of clear our minds, open our hearts, soften our, 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 our hearts to hear what you have to say. Father, help us to lean in once again to your intentional act of great love that happened around this time of year so long ago. We pray all this in Christ's name. Amen.
Well, just like the five points of a Christmas star, I'm going to walk us through five kind of ideas this morning that we'll kind of do together. And the first one is this. Presents are often strangely wrapped. Presents are often strangely wrapped. I, I was thinking back to uh, many years ago, and uh, my wife Jackie and I, we were, uh, we just moved to Nashville, Tennessee. I was going to try to break into the music industry. And, uh, and so we had kind of some dreams and ambitions, some things we were going to do. You know, we had a plan. And then um, Jackie got the flu. You know, they thought that's kind of, that's kind of random or whatever. It's the flu, it's interesting, let's go to the doctor. And, and then the doctor came out to the waiting room, and basically it was a congratulations, you're going to have a baby. It was not the flu, as you can see. And, uh, and you know, I remember initially just sort of being shocked by that. That wasn't in our plan. That wasn't in the five-year plan that we'd worked out. And, you know, from a medical perspective, she should not have been pregnant. I don't want to go into detail, but uh, this was not the, uh, the information we were, we were expecting. And, uh, and, and really, our lives were never the same after that moment. And gosh, how wonderful it is that we have Emma. That was so long ago, but I remember sometimes... God does these things that you don't expect. They come in times and in places and situations. They're wrapped strangely sometimes. What seemed like a change in plans that was going to, you know, kind of sideways my career really turned into a great, great blessing. You might have a story like that where something happens and, and you think this is not the gift I was looking for, but God does something powerful. Look, Matthew chapter 1. If we go back to there, we meet a character named Joseph. Who knows Joseph? You heard Joseph's name, right? It's all part of the narrative. He gets this, uh, this information, and we all know that was probably a rough conversation, where Mary has to kind of let him know, hey, my engaged love of my life, um, I'm pregnant. And it happened to be a divine thing. And Joseph had to hear this, and what did he want to do? Did he say, great, that sounds like a good plan, we're going to go with it. What did he want to do? He wanted to kind of re-gift her back to her family. Anybody ever re-gift in here? Yeah. Joseph, you're laughing because you're doing it this year. Uh, he wanted to give her back. You know what I'm saying? Give her back because this was going to, it might have spared some in, uh, embarrassment for the family. I mean, this is kind of scandalous. He didn't want to go through with this. And he wanted to give that gift Back. He didn't want to go through that. And I don't know if you maybe have had some situations in your life where maybe you've got a gift somehow in that range where you didn't expect it, it wasn't wrapped right, it didn't come in the package that you were hoping for. It could have been that DUI that you got. That DUI that basically said, I need to make a change in my life. That I, I could have killed somebody. That could have been it for some of us. For some of us, it might be, I'm pregnant. Or for some of us, it might be that, that moment you're called into your boss's office and, and you've lost your job. But in that moment, God does something miraculous where you're now available to take that career you never would have done before. You see, sometimes presents come in strangely wrapped ways. And here's the deal. We know how it ended with Joseph. He did finally say yes. And you know how I know how powerful that is? 
every Christmas, we get, get out the nativity and there's a Joseph action figure on all of our mantles. Who of you has an action figure? Joseph has an action figure. He said yes to God, but the package didn't come exactly how we wanted. Here's the next thing I want to talk about. Everyone is invited. You think about the, that initial conversation with the angels announcing this to the shepherds, there was going to be peace on earth, goodwill toward me. It was supposed to be a global thing, that God's love was finally here. It's good news. And everyone is invited. Unlike that Santa guy who gives coal to people or kids when they've been naughty. Jesus comes into world history and says, while you are the worst, I'm willing to do whatever it takes for you. Romans 5.8, while we were dead in our sin, Jesus comes to us. That's way better than the Santa deal. But he comes in and all are invited. We think, that's great. All are invited, except I don't want my neighbor. You see, what, what the invitation also means, that means everybody, people that maybe don't vote like you, act like you, speak the same language you do from the same part of the world. But the gospel is for everyone. All are invited. Even those people, maybe we would, if we were writing the story, we would leave out. God says, uh-uh. If you're, if you're going to be a follower of Christ, you no longer get to be a bigot. All are welcome at the table. That's just amazing and shocking. All are welcome. And I wonder if this Christmas, this is where it hits home. Is, is there, have there been some people in your life, in your spheres of influence, that you've been withholding goodness from? Are there some people that you've been withholding kindness from? Maybe for some of you, or, or, or maybe all of us, maybe there's that phone call we need to make. You know what I'm talking about. The phone call that says, I'm sorry. I screwed up. Can we, can we fix this? Maybe that's the phone call you need to make this year. You know, all you can do is try. Everyone is invited. Here's the third thing I want to talk about. It's awkward if you call yourself a king. Awkward if you call yourself a king. Look, when Jesus was born, uh, he, was, he, was, he was meant to be this king of kings, the Messiah, the one everybody's been waiting for, the king of kings, lord of lords. But you know, when he came on the scene, there were some other kings around. There were lots of kings in the old ancient world. You know, there were regional kings and and different people that were part of different parts of, 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 of ruling the ancient Roman Empire. There were lots of kings. In fact, one of the kings was this crazy dude named Herod. Anybody ever heard Herod's name? This, uh, this champion, this genius, he, uh, he was a puppet king of the Roman Empire. And probably he was put in power because he was Jewish. And that part of the world tended to have a lot of Jewish, people of Jewish descent. And probably the, the, the Roman government was like, well, that'll be easier to keep them in line if we give them kind of a king that's kind of from their own tribe. And so Herod was there as their, as their king, but Herod was not, was not a good guy. Herod was not a good king. If, you, if you've read the narratives, you've read the biographies of Jesus, this Herod guy, he had some issues, serious, serious issues. And, and at one point, Herod hears about this whole birth announcement that there's, there's rumor that a new king has been born. And uh, Herod decides he wants to, to eliminate any threat to his throne. 
even his little mini part of the world, he didn't want to give that up. He's got a throne to protect. And so at some point, he hires these guys that we call, you know, the, the wise men or the magi. He tries to, to enlist them to help him deal with this Jesus threat to his throne. You see, at some point, Herod had a decision to make. Who's the real king? Is it me? No. Or is it Jesus? Jesus is the real king. And we all have that decision to make, don't we? Who's king? Who's the boss of me? Who's in the driver's seat? Because I tell you what, and some of you know this, you've been around long enough, you've, maybe some of you have been following Jesus for a while, and you realize, man, I still got issues. Whenever you slide into the driver's seat, whenever you become king, how well does that go for you? Is that working out for you? Some of you are living that right now. I'm the king, I'm the boss of me. Nobody's going to tell me what to do. When anyone else is king of your life, it's not going to work. You will, you will go places you never thought you would go. You would have issues you never thought you would. If, if, if Jesus isn't king, you got problems. Now, Herod wanted to kill him. Herod wanted to end the threat. But there's only one true king, and that's Jesus. Let's, let's talk about this other thing. This, is, this, this, wasn't, this may sound crazy to you. It may seem counterintuitive. But, but compliance is rewarded often with chaos. Compliance is rewarded with chaos. Look, you think about the Christmas narrative, okay? You got Mary and Joseph. They both, in their own ways, say yes to, to, to God. There's, God's going to do this thing, and they both at some point say yes. We're, we're going to do that. We're going we're to listen to you. We're going we're to do what you say, God. You know, be to us as it may. And, and the minute they say yes, it's like chaos exploded in their lives. I mean, they, they probably had no clue that once they said yes, things were going to go sideways very fast. I mean, as soon as they say yes, you know, you have this pregnancy, and then you, you got, you know, again, a, 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 the, the Roman Empire is making everybody go, you know, register, and there's a census, and everybody wants to be counted. Why do you think they wanted to be counted? Why did the Roman government want them counted? Come on. Money, right, taxes. So everybody has to go. So they have this road trip, and she's pregnant. They don't have family there anymore. That might have been where maybe his ancestors were from. But when they got there, they had to like, be in a stable because clearly there was no family handy. There was no way for them to, to, to find a place ahead of time. There was no Airbnb at the time, as shocking as that may be. And so all of this was happening. And then, you know, again, at some point, you know, their lives are in danger. You know, they, they've got, you know, shady characters called shepherds hanging around and celebrating, and Mary's like, who are these people? Are these friends of yours? Are these family that you haven't told me about? This is all going on, and the deal is they said yes to God. What's my point? When you say yes to God, it doesn't mean everything is nice, and you got green pastures, and everything's just going to be smooth for you. I mean, it wasn't for Mary and Joseph. I mean, it's like once they said yes, you know, then, then they had to, to realize that following God's direction in your life may not be just so easy. There may be some obstacles coming in there, and, and all these things start happening. And the chaos happens, and I think there's a reason for it. I think sometimes the chaos is there because it can humble us. It can humble us. It can help us to, to, to be sensitive to the people around us that are struggling these, these moments of chaos help us to have uh, empathy for difficulty. 
It's not smooth sailing when we say yes to God. There may be some things that need to happen. You know, look, if you go back to the story, Mary and Joseph, they had to lay low in Bethlehem for a while. Now, the scriptures tell us that at some point they had to be in a house. So they didn't just stay in a stable forever. At some point, they had a, got a house. Maybe, maybe uh, Joseph, he was a carpenter, worked with wood and stone. Maybe he got a part-time job, you know, because they were waiting, right, for this census to happen. And we all know how efficient the government is. Yeah, you know it. So they're having to be there a couple years, who knows. And then these, uh, these, these wise guys come in, right? We call them the Magi or whatever. Uh, remember, Herod was trying to get them uh, to spy for him, but they, they said, we'll have none of that. So they go and they find, you know, where Jesus is at in the house, and they bless Mary and Joseph with, like Andrew said, uh, you know, some, some gifts that probably would have seemed strange, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. But here's the thing. They were under threat by the regional king Herod. And so, at some point, they had to make another road trip. Does anybody remember where they had to go to escape? Egypt. That would have taken some resources that Mary and Joseph don't have. Oh, wait a minute. They have gifts from the wise men. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh that all of those could be used to fund their escape to Egypt because Jesus was under threat. Had you ever thought about that before? Those gifts. God had this all arranged. Sometimes we feel like things happen in our lives and we're all mad and we're all like, oh, woe is me. God's trying to do some things and we just don't see how all the parts and pieces work together. We get all stressed and frustrated and we're like, God, what, what was me? What's happening? We, we, we get mad at God sometimes and God's like, you're not seeing the whole picture. I've got some things going on. I mean, God shows up in times we don't even know we need the help. How many ever had that happen? You didn't even know to pray for that thing. You know, you didn't know that what was coming down the pike. You didn't know it. But God he has it all figured out, and we're looking at it just from a little bit of perspective. Those wise men brought gifts that saved their lives. Think that on that, huh? It seems like sometimes compliance is rewarded with chaos, but chaos can humble us and prepare us to receive everything God wants. Here's the last thing I want to talk about, and that's this. It's easy to miss the main thing. Especially right now. We're a couple days from the big day. We're in the, you know, the biggest shopping season. It started, it seems like, before Thanksgiving. We've been bombarded and bombarded and bombarded. We've we got noise in our heads right now. Things are dinging on our phones. There's this thing and that thing. And, you know, you better act now because you're not going to get the special deal. And, and, you know, you better buy that new car for your spouse, which is the craziest thing I've ever heard of. But anyway... If you've done that, I'm not, I'm not blaming you. I'm just, it's just weird that I would show up and say, here, honey, I've got you this new car. Here's your payment. I don't, I don't know how that works. <laughs> that doesn't feel right to me. But it's easy in all of this to miss the main thing, right? In journalism, they call it burying the lead. Burying the lead is when, you know, you have this article, and you probably all read articles like this, where it seems like the article's got all these details in it or whatever, but at some point you're like, what's the point? It's easy to bury the lead in journalism, and they really try to tell journalists to avoid that. Don't have a bunch of extra things out there that kind of take you away from the main point. It'd be like, you know, you're at the hospital, right? And you've got a spouse or a loved one that had to have some emergency surgery, and, and then you're waiting in the waiting room. 
And the surgeon comes out, and he's like, you know, your loved one died three times on the table. But they're going to be okay. (laughs) Give me the, they're going to be the okay part. Fill in the, the details later. You know what I mean? That's like burying the lead. The important thing is, right, they're alive and they're healthy and they made it. <laughs> but we sometimes can bury the lead with Christmas. We can put Jesus on a shelf and really not think about this greatest gift to the world. You see, sometimes we sing these songs, long lay the world in sin and error pining, right? We sing these songs and it can seem dark and bleak. I mean, we just had the shortest day of the year, right? This winter solstice or whatever. The days are dark, it's cold, we're not getting enough sunlight. And it can feel negative and almost depressing sometimes around this time of year. Many people feel that. You've lost a loved one and now this is your first Christmas without them. These are hard things. And it's easy to get kind of caught up in that negativity and forget that the main thing we celebrate at Christmas is God loving us in our mess and that he wants so badly to show us his love for us. And he demonstrated that in Jesus Christ. You know, in many ways, Christmas is a rescue mission. Do you know that rescue missions can be kind of, kind of uh, dangerous? Sometimes, you know, with rescue missions, people get hurt. Christmas is a rescue mission. God stepping into humanity's mess and fixing it. Doing, doing, doing a new thing, giving new opportunity for people to be healed and to have hope and forgiveness and, and, and new, new heavens and new earth one day. God is about that rescue mission. Love is costly. Do you know that when you get CPR, oftentimes they break ribs? A rescue mission can be a bit tricky. It can be hurtful. But love is costly. I love what Jesus says and toward the end of his life, he's, he's meeting with his friends. And in John 16, verse 33, he says this. I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Jesus would like all of us to have a little bit more of that peace this time of year. Peace, real peace. You see, the points we were talking about this morning, like the five points of a star... Presents are often strangely wrapped. Everyone is invited. Awkward if you call yourself king. Compliance is rewarded with chaos. And it's easy to miss the main thing. Jesus wants to have us to have real peace. He's our Messiah. The scriptures tell us in Hebrews chapter 6 that he's like the anchor for the soul. He's like our hope. He's our firm and secure hope and anchor for the soul. Jesus himself said, take heart, I've overcome the world. That's who we need to focus on this Christmas. This Christmas, we praise him as our only king. He is the king. If you find yourself trying to take his spot, don't do it. It's going to go sideways. He is the king of kings and lord of lords. That's who we celebrate. If you've never made him king and lord of your life, you could do that today. Come talk to me. I'll be over here. Anybody on stage can help you with that. Don't, don't let this go. If God's tugging on your heart, That may be the Holy Spirit talking to you about having peace in Jesus. So if you've never accepted him, you can unwrap that gift this Christmas. What a better, I can't think of a better time to do that, to unwrap the gift of salvation. So if you've never made that decision to make him king of your life, you could do that today. Let's have a prayer together. Father, we thank you for your love and mercy, your promises and and your, and your, your, your power is so amazing. 
And Father, we lean into that today. Even as we are a couple days from Christmas, Father, help us to not forget that you have peace and joy that you want to fill us with. So Father, we lean into that today. Lord, help us to, to realize that you're working in our lives. But ultimately, Father, help each of us in this room to make you and you only the King of kings and Lord of lords in our hearts and our lives. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.